This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. You're listening to Things They Don't Tell Her. Everything you don't get taught about periods, pregnancy and postpartum. I'm going to take you on a journey back to sex ed and teach you what really matters. Ladies, it's time you felt empowered in your bodies. I'm your host, Caitlin Pender, founder of Her Women's Health. And I'm sharing tips to optimize your fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum journey. All right. Good morning, listeners. Today, I am joined by the beautiful Courtney Clark to discuss postpartum nutrition and healthy eating as you venture your way into motherhood. Courtney is a qualified naturopath and nutritionist with more than a decade of clinical experience. She's a mother of two gorgeous boys and is currently seven months postpartum herself. So thanks so much, Courtney, for joining me today. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm super excited to be here. And this is my first podcast. So thank oh, you for that. How exciting. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Yeah, thank so you. So to start off the show, can you just share a little bit about your own journey with nutrition and, and how you found yourself in the world of naturopathy and nutrition? Absolutely. So I was thinking about this and there's a little anecdote um, I've actually put on my website, which is super cute. And I'm about eight years old at the breakfast table. My mum would put a selection of cereals you know stock standard Mm -hmm. uh, on the table and serve yourself and away you go and I remember calling out to mum lining up the nutrition panels of wheat bix cornflakes and saying oh my god do you have any idea how little fiber there is in this and how much sodium and you know it just stuck with me maybe she sort of retold that memory back to me and then I caught myself traveling a lot which was lots of fun Uh, I didn't study straight after school I just Mm -hmm. worked then eventually travelled and I was living in London and I met a naturopath now. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, as it sounds. That was in 2002. So yeah. any, any listeners are great with math. That's 20 years ago. <laughs> and uh, she just blew me away. She, it was like literally uh, stepping into another world. She, it, was, it was her demeanour and her manner and her intelligence and her um, her world. I visited her in the health food shop she was working in I would have a headache wandering around our flat and she would give me magnesium tissue salts like I just <laughs> I couldn't believe there was a whole world I didn't know of and I kept, I was just magnetized to her and I she was older than me then and I just absorbed what I could and learned and total just like fangirled for her <laughs> and she's just a beautiful she was Australian actually so in London of course you live with Australians it's like that thing you do mm-hmm. and that experience really um imprinted something in me and I kept traveling went home saved more money uh went to Canada and lived and traveled there so I was in London for two or three years and um it just kept with me and I was mid-20s I was going to keep my age or like (laughs) really vague but I can totally just call it out now so I was like mid-20s and when I finally stopped traveling and had scratch that itch I found myself so I, I'm South Australian born I was back in Adelaide and um, I'd left by 21 so I was off traveling by 21 so in a couple of years out of school so I didn't and I'd grown up in a country town yeah. and I only spent those few years in Adelaide and I felt very out of place I didn't have 
my people, I had some family and sisters, like I just didn't, I, I felt very what is next and it could be anything. And I kept coming back to meeting um, Bianca, her name B, and, I, and the impression she made on me and I thought, right, it has stuck. There's got to be something to this and I'm going to pursue it. And it was years after that I'd met her and I, at the time, looked it up and you could go uh, enrol in Perth in WA mm-hmm. on the East Coast, Sydney and Brisbane. Now, as alluring as it was, as Bianca was um, from WA in, in Perth, I was like, oh, it's so far and friends and yeah. family had moved and felt very isolated. So I chose Brisbane where one of my best friends was living. And lo and behold, I got enrolled as a mature age student and started that journey and spent the next almost six years doing the two degrees. So I did the naturopathy was what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And then I was just sort of clever enough and had the foresight enough to want another hat in case the industry changed. And so I did nutritional medicine. Mm-hmm. So I've had that qualified nutritionist um, background that I can use if needed and um, switched between Gold Coast campus because um, I was living in Byron Bay because like, I'm at a bar and I went to Byron <laughs> before it was Byron. So, uh, yep. I have not heard of Byron before I went there. And I was like, oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, oh, and then about two years later, I was like, oh, wow, look where I live. So it was very like so 2000. (laughs) Yeah. Different place now. Yeah. Fast forward to qualified, as you said at the beginning, gone 10 years now. And I am so lucky I get to do what I love. Um, I meet people and talk to them and hear their whole story. And when you hear someone's work is not, conducive to a positive anything whether it's difficult stressful toxic um, it becomes a part of their health picture so for me to be able to claim my my work is my passion oh boy I feel super blessed so that's yeah. how I got to be awesome and how have you found your education impact your own nutritional journey so you never stop learning and I sort of say this to my four-year-old about everything, but yep. we, I, no, I'll say we collectively in my mm-hmm. profession, we read the research papers. We talk amongst ourselves in a professional forum and community. We have to keep up with evidence-based, you know, documents and, and whether it be um, dosages or the form of a, a nutrient, whether it's um, contraindications. And the education I got was, fantastic I couldn't fault it I did go Mm -hmm. to Endeavour and you know there's others out there but that was my experience but what happens in my field is you have to stay abreast of change whether it's just to do with your private health claiming or the proper insurance because you went completely to telehealth you know Uh, it's a very dynamic field and you can you can rest on your laurels and and do go with what you know and I think that could take you pretty far or you could keep stay attuned to all of the latest stuff and just get better and better, you know. And I'm constantly telling my patients, you know, if they've come back to me, which they do, bless them, like after a certain period of time, because I've been doing this so long, even on the coast now, eight years, and um, I will say to them, yeah, we used to give you iron every day, but the research has shown that the molecule that helps with absorption, hepcidin, actually needs to rise and fall. So we want alternate day dosing with your iron to get the best result and so you will correct yourself with the full confidence knowing that that's the best information I, I've got at hand yeah. so yeah the education and oh, being a, a nerdy Virgo I just love it I'm just always reading like yeah yeah, the, the, yeah science essentially 
I feel in the world of nutrition and naturopathy, there's it's forever changing what the recommended guidelines are. So it's so important to keep up to date with that. And it's one of those industries because it's to do with food. Okay, everyone eats. Everyone has um, their two cents worth, and everyone has an experience, and everyone can read the interwebs, and everyone has someone they know, their neighbour and their mum. Um, so it's a constant dialogue, which is great, but what happens is it, it gets really um, confusing and clouded with white noise and misinformation and poorly, um, you know, reputable sites and poorly referenced in, um, information as well. And I won't go to the GPs, but we look at the body differently. A GP is absolutely essential tool in what I call, you know, health journey. I've never met someone who just sees the one modality, the one practitioner ever, yeah. myself included. Mm-hmm. You need to lean into the people that have the most expertise and experience in the area that you're looking for help with, you know? Yeah. And I just say that about everything. Like if someone's getting crazy headaches and they're just like, oh, my back is out, the first thing I say is, who's your manual therapist? Do you see a chiro, a physio, or an osteo? And I will refer because that's what you do. You get people the help they need. Sometimes they can't see it. Sometimes they're not connecting those dots. They're just saying, can you help me with headaches? And when I hear more, you know where to, where to help them. And I'd imagine yeah. it's probably similar in your industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just they need a whole team of support, especially with conditions that are, you know, like endometriosis I work a lot with and it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, you know, that um, Western and allopathic medicine has tried to fit women into this one-size-fits-all, but they need a team because for some women it could be really to do with their diet and their gut health and their immune system or their thyroid. Uh, And in other women it might be to do with stress or something completely different. So, yeah, yeah, always, always looking at referring to the right um, clinicians. Yeah, and I've, I sort of say things like, let's use the example endometriosis. If two women with endometriosis came to see me, there is no way the, the underlying factors and the triggering events would be the same. There's no way the protocol and the therapies and recommendations would be the same. Same condition, two in completely different individuals, and that is what you know your profession and my profession do is we see you as a person we don't see you as a um, condition or a disease or a label or a diagnosis that's helpful (laughs) but not anywhere near enough to just start saying right you need to take x y and z it's like okay and now I'm going to get you to tell me everything else (laughs) everything else that you know creates their um, treatment yeah I've had and I've had so many clients that have come to me after feeling a bit exhausted with their journey with western medicine and just you know even as a physio i work within western medicine but just being so grateful that it was the first time they'd really felt heard because yeah. obviously in and it comes down to as a gp there's that they are that middle man to refer on but there's not always they don't have the capacity to sit and listen to the whole story they don't and that's the that's the system that we've created you know as a as a you know institution in terms of our medicine and our medicare and when uh, when we end up getting our patients to and clients to feel heard and my example is when i explain a test result like did you and they've got them from their doctor and they're sharing them with me and i say oh did your doctor explain why this might be up or this might be down no no they said it's fine and 
they just get so much more when they understand their body better. And mm. you do that really well. You've got these beautiful videos that talk about that, that, that six weeks, but, you know, don't do anything for six weeks and then, like, boof, drop off the cliff, like, bye. And m- personally, I've had two cesareans and my advice is so sparse and you mm. are so knowledgeable. And I love your analogy with the, is it the ACL surgery? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, like, sitting with my mouth open, like, oh, God, why did someone tell me any of this? So we it just, and like we were talking earlier before we jumped on, no one knows what they don't know. Yeah. You do nothing for six weeks and then am I running six weeks in one day? Like do I still, it's uh, it's such a minefield postpartum and pregnancies because it's such a beautiful special time. Everyone dotes on a pregnant mother and then boom, had the baby. And then what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, our, unfortunately our postpartum um, model, it doesn't look after the mother nearly as yeah. much as, as we need, which I'm so excited to talk about today. Yeah. Um, because it is such a hard journey for mothers, whether first time or third time, because there's just this overwhelm of information that they have to sift through. And good old Google, which is where most people at 2am who are breastfeeding go for information um but that is just a um, recipe for stress and anxiety and more overwhelm so on that note are you able to give us some overview of recommendations for that postpartum period and how you looked after yourself and nourished yourself and continue to nourish yourself postpartum yeah so my story is one that I don't have any family support at all uh, in my area in this state. (laughs) So knowing that going in, obviously, um, I made inroads to, and neither for my first, so pregnancies were four years apart. And I made inroads to do what I could do in terms of like batch cooking and freezer for myself. I looked into services for postpartum particularly, um, and then I compared them with just meals. So if you're not sure of what a postpartum service is, there's some beautiful ones here on the coast where, where we are that are completely geared towards the mum and that, you know, sort of first 40 days slash that that recovery and time with baby and bonding and nourishing and everything else is taken care of. So a postpartum service might actually include light housework and might actually include um, babysitting the, the elder sibling or you can just stick with the food. So for me... I actually looked all the way into it and had, was ready to hit the book button. I guess <laughs> the only thing that changed for me was never knowing how my second birth was going to be, aiming mm. for my VBAC, which didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But beautifully so, my son is here and well and healthy and it was just our journey. So yeah. my mum, who I, again, anyone that doesn't have family around, it's like, oh, let's play the Russian roulette of when do we book the family? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't know about anyone else. I didn't feel my mum waiting with me was helpful, but yeah. 1,000% she was coming after and I had booked that. And I booked that, putting out to the universe that I was going to walk walk away from my birth that day and um, have a bit of time with Bub and then have her come over. So, no, that didn't happen. I did not walk anywhere immediately and running her from my hospital bed and said, so what do you think about coming early? So. The, the initial period, I did have my mum earlier than I thought, which was yeah. fantastic. And so when I 
um, and, and I guess part of what I'm trying to say here as well is is absolutely just ask for the help. Do not feel like you have to do it alone. You know, if you don't have family, everyone that you've met, whether it be your midwife or neighbour or another mum at the daycare centre at drop-off, everyone wants to help a new mum. So never, ever, ever feel that you can't pop that hand up, send that message out, shoot that text, okay? Absolutely, 1,000%. Um, you do what you can leading up, not knowing what on earth is going to happen at the other end. But um, mm. I really love the idea of a meal train. If you don't yeah. know what a meal train is, yeah. So you get a trusted friend. Um, I, mean, I say trusted because I'm like, I'm gluten and dairy free, so I trust that she would pass that on to just pop a few meals together over a schedule and they either get, you know, delivered by the same person or individuals. And like I said, everyone wants to help. And I've I've um, contributed to meal trains in the past and it's just that subtle thing. Everyone's cooking, don't even feel weird. Someone's just going to double their like spaghetti bowl one night, like and pop it in yeah. a container, and it arrives at your door. So which can make a huge difference in mate, the mother's An life. instant food, like there's no wrong answers. You can Uber eat that. Goodness sake, girl! Like you go hard, but what what your body will want and what your body will um, be thankful for is foods that heal. And to simplify that. It's, it's a cooked meal, and I actually mm-hmm. do mean cooked, raw foods in general take a lot to break down. Yeah. Okay? So I didn't reach for salads. Um, if things that are already broken down in food form are smoothies, soups, and broths because they're just liquid and your body can just uptake all those nutrients without too much work and you can really jam in amazing nutrition. Everyone's, you know, has generally got a blender, food processor, you know, stove. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the type of food is nourishing, easy to digest and packed full of nutrients. Mm-hmm. The meals that you can get in any which way, whether it be a postpartum service or just a food service, are generally frozen and you can just eat and eat when you want. And that is, oh, when that freezer emptied out, oh, sad days. Um, <laughs> and the, um, the one thing I did before I had my second because I remember juggling literally what I needed on the couch when you pinned to the couch with all the breastfeeding in the early days as bubs figuring out your milk supply. Mm-hmm. You get all these cluster feeds and all this fun stuff. So I got a basket with a sort of a hard bottom. Mine was cane. Yeah. I had carry handles like, oh, my God, you could get a plastic tub. But get something designed for your couch, your chair, your side table where you're going to be. There's always I have a huge mothership of a, of a couch so I've got space to put a big you know, square thing and you pack it with your water bottle the snacks any medicines or supplements or you know little things that you like to take mm. during the day um one-handed snacks so things bliss balls bananas granola bars um trail mix fruits and nuts um because oh, I mean you, everyone's heard it hungry and there's nothing worse than being hungry pinned to the couch and no food in arm's reach <laughs> no one walking by to be like can you go can you just pass me so yeah it, yeah that basket saved me I, I shared my tip in my um like my antenatal group that I did mm-hmm. with my private midwife um uh, people and everyone's like oh good idea and then all these mothers getting all their little kit ready ready to go and I was um, also very prepared birth-wise because I had a 38-hour labour first time. So my mm. snack my snack pack was, <laughs> I had I think I had a pack for snacks. I had a pack for clothes. And don't worry because 
Oh, I didn't eat them in, in birth. Well, you're going to eat them in the days after. Yeah. So any and all pre-gathering um, and stockpiling of these stuff, you just never have enough. Um, mm. You know, and it was such a beautiful thing to sort of lob home and have all that, you know, um, at my fingertips. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting because, as you say, it, what matters really is the the quality of the food. And if a mother has no time to make anything, then she'll be, you know, leaning towards things that perhaps aren't going to give her those nutrients and that nourishment that she so desperately needs in that early postpartum period. And even recently I went and supported my cousin who just had a little baby and she was in a hospital and I was just really appalled to see what they were bringing her after she'd had a cesarean and they, the first meal that she had after major abdominal surgery was a steak and salad. Yeah. Like a, and I was just like, this is probably the hardest thing to digest. And her digestive system, you know, it's really important to manage for the pelvic floor particularly mm. and even for the C-section scar recovery to manage bowels and make sure that women aren't constipated or straining. So what you're consuming in those early days is, is really vital. Yeah, and the catering for other dietary needs in the hospital setting can leave you feeling pretty deflated. So they just bring you fruit. Like if you say, I can't have that, I'm gluten-free, it's like, oh, so you just get the side pieces sometimes of the meal because they haven't got an option. You know, obviously people visit you and you can get food brought in, but, yeah, I remember feeling a very, you you know, all of a sudden you've got, you can kind of eat whatever you want and that's a nice feeling and and you're right, you do need to open your bowels, especially, you know, either way, either birth, that first bowel opening Mm. is, is important and tricky. So that's right, what you put into that system you know, I, I'm pretty sure my first, um, after my first son, even though I knew I shouldn't, it was like, oh, it's right there. I had a soy milk Milo. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, like, and and so, yeah, okay, it was soy, but I, I just I just thought, really? Like how, yeah, it's tricky. That's why you bring all your cool stuff in. If you're doing a hospital birth and at mm-hmm. home, you can just have all that nourishing, like gentle fibres and whole foods, which is, probably how you were eating in your pregnancy for the mm-hmm. most part, other than if you were very, very early on unwell, which gets tricky, but, um, yeah. We want to yeah, keep so that. If, we, if we do talk about specifics of foods, what sort of, what were the staples of your diet in those first 40 days? I definitely, as I said, cooked, and that was on purpose, um, mm-hmm. no matter what time of the year you, you birth, because the broken down foods are easy to digest and absorb. Um, I'm a big fan of a protein powder for my smoothie. Mm-hmm for the reasons that my body will uptake it easily and, you know, protein for healing, protein for muscle repair. And, you know, there's some, there's definitely hyper and fruit intake and fructose and not overdoing it, but that's also where you get your vitamins and fibres and and Mm -hmm. antioxidants. So, you know, what's in season? And like I said, with your hunger and your um, nutritional requirements or breastfeeding, if you choose to, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty up there. So you, you've got a little bit of wiggle room for what you may think is a normal standard consumption of, I mean, I don't count calories or kilojoules at all, but what I'm saying is you can eat more knowing it's a necessary time to just increase the the quality of food and also 
to, for the most part, whether it be serving size or, you know, I prefer small and often. Some people will mm-hmm. just eat more in a sitting and, you know, you know your own digestion better. Mm-hmm. Um, hydration, hydration, hydration. Um, gosh, like, I mean, that I could just say that, but also you get so thirsty. So not only do you need water to make breast milk if you're breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you get thirsty. You, you're, you're, you just run a marathon, whatever birth you've taken. Um, you've got to give the body the hydration to to run the show you know you mm-hmm. can I mean like we talked about the digestive system and first bowel opening can be tricky how on earth would you want to make that trickier don't don't hold back on your liquids herbal teas bone broths you mm-hmm. know dilute I say diluted coconut water because we don't want to just because you can drink too much of it so if you have mm-hmm. some favorite drink um, late pregnancy was about a third coconut water and about two-thirds mineral water just with something different oh nice Water, 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 water. I yeah, just, that was hydration. so, so hydrating. And, you know, just making sure that where possible, where your budget allows, just to get fresh food in, you know, because of the COVID and because, I don't know, just getting around pregnant with a toddler, I got a lot of deliveries. So I would get mm. my fresh fruit and vegetables delivered. So I didn't have to worry that I wasn't going to have the right food in the home. And and I talk about this um, with other ways that I help mums is that outsource and delegate and get it all sent to the home. Click and collect what, however makes it easier so that you never have to feel like, oh, I just can't, you know, get that watermelon that I'm desperate for. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> get it. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting what you said before, which I think is really important for especially um, first-time mums who might not realise how, vital it is to the, just to grab things with, that you, they can eat with one hand or drinks you know like if you have a drink bottle with a screw lid and yeah. you're desperate to have you know some warm tea and you've got bub breastfeeding with one hand you've, you've just got no ability to really open that drink bottle so you know this the pop-up straws and drink bottles that you can easily access just with one hand <laughs> Like you don't know what you don't know. You didn't realize you lose a hand. What do you mean you lose a hand when you have a? Oh, you lose the use of a hand. Yeah, <laughs> the whole new world. And then, well, and then the other hand might be for the toddler. So sometimes you're just handless, like you're just wandering around, going, "Please put something in my mouth." I've put so much food in breastfeeding mother's mouth. Going, "Would you like? A, would you like a piece of this?" Because they can't even get to the table or the snack plate that's right there for them. But please ask a breastfeeding or pregnant or you know mothering mums. Do you? Do you like me to feed you it's not weird it's like yes you still remember getting fed prawns at christmas around christmas time oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. yep you got to do what you can absolutely yes and i think it's a great point that you made with home delivery especially mm. in those early days i've had so many mums say they just wish there was a drive-through supermarket so they didn't have to hop out of the car well, I'll behold there is. Yeah, all from the comfort of your gym jams and your bed. Yeah, incredible. Mm. What other top tips do you have for new mothers? Um, I know you've just released a program called Mamas Eat Clean, which goes through some really valuable tips on nutrition and nourishing yourself in that postpartum and, well, mm. into motherhood, really. So, what would you say your top takeaways are? So I'll, that's a two-parter for me. I'm going to very briefly overview the program because we've covered a bit of it because the program was created by the, the constant need and asking of these questions and a beautiful um, mum-safe 
trainer, Emma Bunting, shout out to Emma, from Motivate Mums, we were inspired to get something together so that her clients, being a personal trainer, asking her about food, you know, will refer mm-hmm. on to someone who can talk about food, cover those basics because we just get asked and asked and asked. So we covered the hydration. I go into deep levels about the what, how, the why, how much and how to do it. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but you're so busy. And I, for one, can sometimes not drink enough water through the day. So if I, It's my problem. It's definitely your problem. And I want to yeah. get those workarounds that help you. Um, we cover the preparing and planning. So baby's here. So life is different. Chaos. Um, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five, and you, your time is does not look like it was. So how do I make it work? How do I get dinner on the table? How do I continue to feed myself and my family? And and real life tips, tricks, links, um, downloadable sheets, downloadable planners. As I said, I've walked this walk. I see you, Mama, and I want you to get help immediately by the things that I know works for me and my family. What you're saying about particular things to eat postpartum, we actually cover um, macronutrients, fancy word for the big food groups that we eat, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, and a bit of a 101, you know, like I will never assume, because we know what that means, I'll never assume anyone's knowledge on nutrition. If I start with the whole basics and I get a blank, yeah, I know all that, I'll be like, great, and then I'll zip to more complex stuff. But I love starting at the basics because, I don't think this particularly gets covered well in school and depending on your interest fields, you could have just missed this. And so getting you to understand macros first so that you can understand the importance of protein and fats with every you know time you eat and every time you snack because blood sugar, which is the hangreads and the psychoglycemia and such, can really, over- oh, can really overshadow just feeling together. So if you're running the gauntlet of blood sugar, up, down, up, down, carbohydrate snack only, crash, carbohydrate snack only, crash. By the way, the the hypoglycemia, the low blood sugar that you feel, that is dizziness, frustrated, irritability, tiredness, dizziness, it it could actually, it could be missed for hunger and dehydration. It could be missed for other things. But what happens is your body's going to give you signals to eat a carb because it needs to eat the carb to get out of low blood sugar. And, oh, my gosh, do you think you're going to reach for the nice, balanced protein and fat? No, you're going to reach for the damn chips and the muffin and the croissant mm. and the, you know, banana bread. So I'm outlining what mums are probably experiencing, labelling it, getting them to identify it, giving them tools to correct it. Because if you don't know what's happening to your body, how do you, what, it's all well and good to say put the croissant down and have, you know, a nut bar, but it, it's the whys and the how so that's a super awesome one I love to cover and then the last bit is we sort of review and replace and look at foods in your diet that may be less beneficial more irritating and get you sort of to um, objectively review what goes into your body and I guide you to how to do that and to make sure that you've, you've put all of those tools in place that we actually took those actionable steps feeling better and then sort of where to go from there so that's that's my mama's eat clean program my little baby excited about it but the second part of how I want to answer your question was as I've sort of talked about GPs and 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 you know having a team of people as we said really important postpartum when you're ready to get a blood test and what I would be looking for if you're talking to your GP for a blood test is iron Mm -hmm. is zinc is vitamin b12 
folate, vitamin D. So the vitamins and minerals that run the show. They'll want to look at maybe thyroid. Of course, we don't want to miss postpartum thyroiditis and your, your own individual with your own health background. But if you're low in nutrient, bub can get low in nutrient. You're running on empty. Your healing takes longer. Your recovery feels different. Your whole look and outlook and energy levels will struggle. Mm. So individualized assessment of your very key nutrients, I thoroughly encourage because I, from one pregnancy to the next, first pregnancy, iron seemed okay, everything went well. Second pregnancy, two iron infusions. Wow, yeah. <laughs> didn't particularly do anything different, I thought. So it's very important not to, and I was getting my iron checked regularly and my midwife was great um, being proactive. So everyone's different and getting that little bit of personalised um, assessment can, oh gosh, make the world of difference, mm-hmm. get those things corrected. Yeah, and it's always better to do those things before it, it is you know, really, really low. So before you start to become really symptomatic, it's that what we spoke about earlier, prevention over cure, if you can identify things that are starting to drop a little bit lower than you know recommended guidelines then you can adjust your food intake or your supplement intake to yeah meet those needs yeah we don't want to yeah roll us you know broken little bodies into the gp when it's far beyond when you thought maybe this was happening a month ago if you just do it as like a um like a wellness check really I've had a baby (laughs) you're a whole human go you how am I doing is everything good with me like that is a reasonable um, thing to do I think after an entire person coming out of you yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) no mean feet people (laughs) no awesome and the last thing that I want to ask you today is what do you wish you knew after your first pregnancy that you know now well Caitlin (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I absolutely was impressed to hear your um, conversations around not just muscle separation that some can experience, but prevention. Now, hands up, I had muscle separation for both pregnancies. Um, I knew there was a pretty sure chance I was going to have a second child, so I maybe didn't put much priority on mm. it between pregnancies. And that, like, that doesn't make any sense. That was just what I did. <laughs> Because, you know, life, uh, had a second child, had separation again. And I have seen the beautiful Caitlin and yourself and I am amazed at how with the right advice and the right tools and the right, you know, address that you can improve it. And it's improved out of sight. But had I known, because we, again, don't know what you don't know, had I known pregnancy can cause muscle separation, had I known there's a ways and things that you can do to improve or reduce your chance, well, I would have signed up because... Again, it's a bit like, oh, that's not going to happen to me or what is that? Sorry, what do I have now? Um, It's sometimes all a bit after the fact. So well done, you, for putting it out there. Yeah, thank you. And I think I I have so many mums that have that same opinion. They kind of think, oh, I'm going to have a few more babies. I'll just worry about getting strong after I've had my, you know, two or three, whatever they've decided they want to have. And I... As a physio, it's those mums who come to me in their second pregnancy or their third pregnancy and they've got early onset low back pain or pelvic girdle pain or pelvic floor dysfunction or prolapse because 
during their first pregnancy, they already had all that strength that they took into it. Mm-hmm. They were strong, but then afterwards they didn't actually spend the necessary time to rebuild so that they were at a level that when pregnancy hormones entered the picture, they had the strength and stability to support the system. Um, so things happen a lot earlier. So I cannot recommend it highly enough, making sure regardless of which pregnancy it is, to do that work in between and I often talk about because in that early phase we have this hormonal change where it's like a a mold is all soft and pliable and we can actually set it the way we want and then the further away we get from pregnancy and once the menstrual cycle returns and we start breastfeeding the mold sets and it's much much harder to change so you know with abdominal separation it's that early postpartum period where we can do so much work. Fascinating. I just, and I just, once you were talking, is there a, is there an area you, I'm too busy, no, someone can cover that's like, hey, you between pregnancies, like, oh my God, I feel like there's just, again, this like drop off a cliff for self-care and for self-awareness of body. And I and I can just hear all the conversations I've ever had. Well, I just wanted to pump them out. I'll just worry about it and like how I look, mm. how I feel. And I and I'm not saying that's not a good way to think. But what if that very mindset is creating that deficit of ability to? Oh, I'm just just yeah. I'm, I'm just like whoa. There's like a whole community of people we could capture between pregnancies and be like, okay, listen, I was you, or we know what you're thinking, but mm-hmm. don't. Don't. Don't, do it. <laughs> don't do it don't be me <laughs> yeah well and and same with nutrition if they can optimize their it's the same thing if a, if a mum thinks the same way and thinks oh I'm, about, I'm just going to have another baby soon so I don't need to I'll worry about optimizing my diet afterwards then I talk about sometimes with you know anything whether it's energy or nutrition and, and nutrients like a bank account and that when you get pregnant you've got like it's like there's a big hole in the bank account it's all being drained and if you don't have that original currency in there if the bank account's not topped right up then you're working on so much less and the same with nutrients if you're if you haven't replenished your nutrients after growing and creating a baby then you're leaving yourself much more vulnerable to nutritional deficiencies and deficits yeah I love that analogy that analogy is wild. Yeah, it's so good to visualise those things and, um, you know, what you're doing, a little bit of what I'm trying to do, it's getting the education out and speaking of these things to people that, again, don't know. So if like you, just incredible how you can get all the way to the individual to then completely divert their journey into a better space, into mm. a better, you know, because... The interesting thing, your field, my field, you never know the journey you could have taken. So the investment that you give back to yourself, the choices that you make, the the however you nourish yourself and heal yourself, it's you just never know. How, I don't want to, you know, sound cynical, but like, oh, I could have been so much worse. But it's a sometimes a bit of a thankless job if you just help someone away from worse health. That you you just have to accept that their better health is, is definitely enough and they obviously are very grateful, but we do so much work of just just correcting little pathways and making little nudges to to better health. And I just, we're so, I feel, as I said, very blessed to be in mm. this position to do that for others. And oh, it just excites me to hear that we can do so much good. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I will leave links to all of the wonderful things that you've spoken about today and your course in the show notes so they can find you. And are you seeing clients currently on the coast or online? And I'm completely online. That helps um, others and my own situation. So I have one-on-one availability. I've got the program that's pretty much coming out now and I'm and there'll be more because I'll have more time to make them. <laughs> so I can't wait to yeah, share it with everyone. And thank you so much, Caitlin, for your time. Thank you for sharing the good word of us. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with other pregnant women or other women that you think deserve to understand this information. It is my mission to share this knowledge with women because this is something that I believe that we should all be taught.